0: I want to start by just letting you know, kind of a follow-up to what happened uh, last week. We had the ballot and some voting. I want to let you know that everything passed, that the uh, the budget has passed, as well as the uh, extension for the board members uh, on that list there. So, give you an update. All is well. We're moving forward with that. We're also moving forward with uh, with this series, and we're nearly finished with this journal. That uh, we it's an 18-week journey that we're uh, almost wrapping up. And uh, if you have your journal, would you mind pulling it out uh, for just a moment? I want to uh, uh, ask you to turn to pages eight and nine. These might be pages of your journal that, uh, and just so you know, if you're new, uh, we're wrapping up with this journal, but we're going to do a new one in in January, and so we'll make that available in the next week or two. But uh, pages eight and nine is a summary of the the whole story of, of human existence. And pages eight and nine are summarized up on the screen here with this thing I just referred to as the seven parts of the story. And I don't know about you, but I find it incredibly helpful to be reminded that that uh, that there's one grand plan to this whole thing. It's so helpful for me in terms of my relationship with God and reading Scripture and getting some kind of sense of what's going on in the life around and in, in the world around me. That, that that the story of David and Goliath, which is part of the foundation of the story in, in the Old Testament, that is connected to the story of Jesus walking on water, which is part of the Messiah. And then in the church with Martin Luther and the 95 Theses that he nailed to the to the uh, door of the, of the church, all all of that stuff, it's all part of one grand story, and looking at those things as one piece is really helpful for me. As a summary of, this, of these seven parts that are on page eight and nine, as well as up on the screen, the left two are the Old Testament. The foundation of the story is basically the first half of the Old Testament. The exile and all of the prophets, that's essentially the second half of the Old Testament. The third and fourth pieces, that's the New Testament. The Messiah is the story of Jesus we find in the Gospels. Then the revolution is the revolution of love that that happened, that we see in the rest of the New Testament after the followers of Jesus had to figure out what to do after he ascended into heaven. And then we have the story of the church, the 2,000 years between the story in the Bible and where we are today. We have an unwritten part of the story, and that's our lives, our family's lives, our um, uh, years that we have on this planet. And then at the very end, we have glimpses of the end of the story. It's all one grand story. And right now, the series that we're in is focusing on the sixth part, the unwritten part of the story, that God has given you a pen and invited you to be a part of this grand story. You're not just watching it. You are part of it. You have an unwritten part of this story. And the name of the series uh, that we are looking through as we look at the unwritten part of the series Uh, part of the story, is is one season. Imagine that your life is one season of a television show. And the way TV shows are walked out now is that episodes are not standalone, isolated stories. They're all linked and connected to one another. And so... uh, Last week, as we were talking about our one season, we looked at the previous episodes that typically when you watch a show, it starts off by saying previously on, and then they let you know what happened before. And that's really helpful. That's really important. We need to look into our past and know, and know what happened with our family, what happened with our mistakes, our past, et cetera. We can't understand where we are today unless we look back at our previous episodes. Well, today, we're looking at our current episode. We're looking at right now, this episode as part of the one season that is our life. Today, this day, the decisions you are making right now, the decisions you made as far as as getting here, the decision to get here itself, (laughs) the decisions this afternoon, the decisions this week, your relationships and the status of your relationships right now, that's your current episode. It's your temptations the things that you tend to stumble with right now. That's the current episode that we're looking at. Are you thriving in your current episode? Are you loving life right now? Or is this an episode in your life where you are longing for the next better episode? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, you are the Lord of the whole story. And therefore, you are the Lord of this moment. What a a sobering reality it is that this moment here in this room, in this city, is part of your grand story. So God, would you meet us here in this moment because what we think and what we feel and how we act and how we respond, it matters in the kingdom. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. One of my uh, favorite verses from a long time ago is found. In the book of wisdom in the Old Testament. The book of wisdom in the Old Testament is the book of Proverbs. And there's a, a verse in chapter four that I think is interesting. In fact, Proverbs chapter four is, is interesting. A number of verses in the book of Proverbs are actually isolated little thoughts. Here's some, some words of wisdom that are just that are just terrific throughout the book of Proverbs. But in chapter four, there's actually a flow throughout the chapter that is really talking about uh, 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 pathways and, and, and all of this stuff. And then in, ver- in chapter 4, verse 23, the, uh, the, the writer says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If you want to know how your current episode is doing Look at the status of your heart. If you want to know how things are going today, here in this room here today, look at the status of your heart because we can fool other people. We are masters at it. We are incredibly good at putting on a mask, at painting a picture for other people that is not 100% accurate. We can fool other people. In fact, we're so good at it that we can even fool ourselves into thinking for a day or for a week or for a season that things are not quite what they are. But we cannot fool the heart. The heart knows all. The heart reveals all. Jesus, as part of the Messiah story in the, in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 said, these are the words of Jesus. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Somebody might tell a racist joke and then after the joke say, No, but I'm not racist. I don't struggle with that. It's It's just a joke. It's just funny. And so the reality is you hear that and you go, Okay, but the heart doesn't lie. And so when that comes out, that's, that, that is a real issue. We can tell a dishonoring or distasteful joke about women or whatever and then say, oh, that's not me, that's not me. I'm sorry to say, it is because the heart reveals all. The heart cannot, ca- cannot be fooled. The heart reveals all, and it should be guarded above all. All else, when I first learned Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it was in an earlier translation of this verse. The NIV translated the Bible in 1984, and then it was, it was redone in more recent years. But in the original version of the NIV, some of you might be more familiar with this, it says, Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. That was the, the previous uh, translation. And so translators in more recent years have uh, decided, it, it, they're not changing what the Bible says, but they've decided that a more helpful translation would be to say that it affects everything, uh, uh, everything that we do flows out of it. And so there's a, there's a connection there, but I, I connect with the wellspring of life picture. I think one of the reasons the translators have moved past that is that we, we don't really think in terms of wellsprings. When we need some water, uh, we go to the faucet and we get frustrated when it takes a little bit longer for the warm water to come through. That's about our experience and our difficulty with water. But in ancient Israel, they needed to protect the wellspring because, because life came from it that a village would have one wellspring from which they could draw water, and it literally was an issue of life or death. They had to protect, they had to guard the wellspring. If an animal fell into the wellspring or if it got contaminated in some way, it was a major deal. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. This is so important because... We don't tend to do this in our culture. We, we don't tend to focus on protecting the inside, but we're, we're actually ridiculously good at protecting the outside. We're, we're, we're incredibly good at protecting the outside, and we have in recent years got more and more effective of that. How many of you remember, uh, if you're a little bit older, remember riding in the back of a station wagon, bouncing around with not even knowing if there were any seatbelts in the car anywhere? And then looking out the back window and making faces at the drivers behind you looking at, how many of you remember that experience? Okay, this is a, this is a thank you. Okay, this is a common experience. And now that is, that is an absurd idea uh, because our kids are just strapped in with a five-point harness. All of our kids, are multiple ages. And so we say, oh, Jimmy, th- this is a beautiful song on the radio. Clap to the song. I can't, Daddy, I can't, I can't, because they're strapped in. And so the whole thing is just a, a radically different experience than what it used to be. The reality is that we are really good at protecting the cranium, but not quite as good at protecting the heart. So we say to little Jimmy, we say, okay, go out and play in the cul-de-sac, play in the safety of the cul-de-sac where no cars are gonna be, and have fun, but make sure you wear your helmet. Make sure you wear your helmet, because even though that tricycle has no possible way of tipping over, we can't be too safe, and so we want to make sure that we are protected there. Okay, and then when you're done, Jimmy, you can come on inside, and you can play with your brand new iPhone up in your room that has unlimited access to the internet and unlimited access to social media. Hmm. We're really good at protecting the cranium, not quite as good at protecting... The heart. What are the chances of our kids with a with an unguarded cranium experiencing long-term damage? It's possible. It's certainly possible. That's why we do it. That's why we put helmets on them. That's why we strap them in. All of that stuff is possible, and there are statistics out there, and there are lawsuits for all of that stuff. Totally get that. Put the helmet on, totally good with that. But the chances, I mean, just look at us around here. There's not a whole lot of cranium dents here in this room. The chances are are really pretty modest. What are the chances, however, of our kids having an unguarded heart and experiencing long term damage by believing something about themselves that is not true because of the social media? Exchanges and they're up late at night when they're supposed to be relaxing and sleeping, and, and they're have, continuing to have interactions, and, and stuff is pouring into their mind, or they're having access to, to images and videos that, that, that they're really not supposed to see ever, let alone in the young, impressionable mind, and, and trying things and getting engaged with things that, 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 the, uh, that the new technology just allows us to do chances of of that turning into long-term damage is is actually pretty high. What if we were as adamant and committed to protecting our heart as we are to protecting the cranium? Above all else, ancient wisdom says, above all else, guard your heart. You You know who didn't guard the heart the Empire from the original Star Wars movies. Here they had the greatest battle station the galaxies had ever known, this planet-destroying battle station and they left access to the heart of the whole station that led to its downfall. You know the scene at the end of the very first Star Wars when the officer goes up to the commander, or who I don't know what their titles were, but goes up and says, oh, We've analyzed their attack, sir, and there is a danger. You remember that big hole that we left on the side of the ship during the design? It wasn't my idea. I think it was Earl's idea, but apparently that that hole wasn't such a great idea because if they just shoot a couple of their white blobs into that hole, it could go inside and ruin the whole thing, which is exactly what happens. And then two movies later, they build another huge Death Star. And this time, it has a hole large enough for the Millennium Falcon to fly through to get access to the heart of the Death Star. And once again, the empire needed this verse. Of course, they didn't have it because that story took place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. They didn't have access to Proverbs 4.23, but you and I do. And you and I, we need access to this verse because you and I are powerful weapons built to do amazing things in the kingdom of God as a part of our unwritten story and yet we leave holes in the side of our battle station that allow things to get inside and have access to our heart and slow us down. Things like people in our lives who, who don't really care that much about our role in the kingdom. Maybe don't even care that much about, about us. Think about the most influential people in your lives, people who, who, who affect your decision-making the, the most. Maybe it's famous people. Maybe it's writers. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your boss, whatever. People who have significant influence in your life. Do they really care about your heart? Because when we let them in, we give them access to our heart. Do they really care? Because if they don't, we should be honoring We should be loving. We should represent Christ in all that we say and all that we do. But we guard our heart. We guard our heart. We do not give them access through that portal. If they do genuinely care about us, not not just that we hope they do, which is sometimes what we do in early parts of relationships, we kind of hope beyond hope. But if they really do, that we have proven in our relationship they really do care about us and our role in the kingdom, then they can help us guard our hearts. They can be a part of that with us. Another thing that we we allow access to through this portal in the side of our battle station is our entertainment This series is about TV episodes and all that, and the the TV shows that we take in, and the movies that we take in, and the the music, and the sports, and the hobbies, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me just tell you, that stuff can be so important to us. It It can be such a high priority for us in terms of our lives and our enjoying life, et cetera. But let me just remind you, it never cares about your heart. Our entertainment never cares. It usually cares about your wallet, but it never cares about your heart. Just, let's just keep that in mind as we give it access to our heart. I shared last week some of the, some of the shows that would be on my top 10 list of you know, shows that I watch. <clears throat> Maybe I wasn't totally truthful last week with the shows that I mentioned. Let me just tell you, I'm not a prude in terms of shows that I watch and entertainment that I enjoy. Uh, and so I think you would agree with me on the reality that when we watch shows that are questionable, that when we take in significant amounts of foul language, not just cussing, but language that is, that is demoralizing to other human beings or to God himself, when we take in significant foul language and when we take in gratuitous sex and graphic violence to, to a large degree, we take that stuff in, it affects how we think. It affects how we see people. It affects how we do life. And we let that in. We let that in. We give it access to the very core, to our heart. Another thing that we can let have access is some kind of numbing agent, whether it's a substance or it could be entertainment, but some kind of numbing agent. The reason we do that is, is that life is hard, and sometimes our heart. Hurts. It's aching, it's broken, it's hurting, and we want some relief. We want the pain to go away. But the reality is that whatever that numbing agent is that we brought in for the sake of giving us some relief so often turns into something we need. So often it just turns into an addiction because it comes in, it continues to give us relief for this painful heart, gives us relief to this painful heart, and after a while, it has full control. We haven't guarded our heart. We've surrendered control of it To something else. But ancient wisdom says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Like I said, there's a theme actually here in in chapter 4, and we see evidence of it earlier on in verse 14. The writer says do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil doers avoid it do not travel on it turn from it and go your own way Imagine that that this is the that this is that this is a pit Okay this is this you know the, the, this wisdom here says, says says stay away from the from, from the darkness And imagine this is the darkness. This is the pit. This is the place where our hearts are broken, they're wounded, they're damaged. This is the place of discouragement and anger and frustration in life. And we are all familiar with the pit. We've all been in the pit. Some of us here in this room are in the pit right now. This is the pit. And there are three different ways that we can get into the pit. One is we can get pushed into the pit the circumstances of life through no fault of our own toss us into the pit. We lose, we lose the life of someone that we love and care about and, it's, and it is just devastating. So we go into the pit. Or we, have, we experience some kind of sickness, illness, illness, accident again through no fault of our own and we get tossed into the pit. It's just the reality of life. Something terrible happens to us. Another way that we can go into the pit is that, is that our curiosity makes us get really close to the pit. We, we know we don't want to go in there. We've been there before and we don't want to go in there, but we just want to see what's happening. We want to see who's in there. And our curiosity gets, 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 gets the better of us and we get real close and then we slip and we fall into the pit. We didn't mean to. We knew we, weren't going to, going to, we didn't want to do that, but we slip and fall into the pit. Third way that we can get into the pit, if we just back up, we get a run for it. And we just take a swan dive. And we say, I know, I know. It's ridiculous for me to want to go in there. But I want it. I want it. I know all the warnings. I know I've been there before. I know everybody tells me all the scripture, whatever. But I want what I want. And I don't care about anything else. I want to reread some of those verses, verses 14 and 15. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. As much as it might be a temptation. So again, sometimes we get thrown into it. But as much as it depends on you, just stay away from the pit. Do avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. The path of the the righteous is the one that that just stays away from the darkness of the pit and goes goes over to the light as much as possible. The path of the righteous, just metaphorically, is out here. It's as far away from the pit as possible. You wanna guard your heart? Walk the path of of the righteous. I'll come back to that in just a minute. The next verse, verse 19. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, they do not know what makes them stumble. The way of the wicked is right here. It's, it's the place that's really close, and they don't know what makes them stumble. The way of the wicked is the one that is real close, just kind of the curiosity, leaning in, and just kind of wondering, you know, I'm justifying where I'm at because I'm not sinning. This is sinning. This is the problem. This is the, the darkness area. I'm not in there. I'm right here, so I'm fine. And so we walk the edge and we go, this is, this is as good as any place, but this is the way of the wicked. Because when we justify our actions and say, hey, that's, hey, that's not sin, it's not sin to flirt with somebody at work. When I'm married to somebody and they're married to somebody else, that's not, that's not sin, it's just fine. It's not sin to go out for lunch with somebody, maybe an old friend, old high school friend or somebody at work. Just, we're just going out for lunch Hanging out and talking about our relationships and talking about our struggles with our spouse. It's not sin. Show me in the Bible where it says I can't do that. I can't connect with another person. That's not sin. I'm fine. But if it looks like a date and it feels like a date and it smells like a date, it's not a cat. (laughs) Right? I think... What happens is we we walk over here and we have no intentions of going into the pit, but we stay in the path of the wicked. And then what happens, and it's so clearly in, in that verse there, when we stumble, we're so close that one little stumble and oh, we're in. We're in this place that we were trying to avoid, but we thought, no, I was safe, I was fine. I was over in this place because the reality is we're gonna stumble. We're going to stumble. I don't care who you are, how strong you are, how, whatever your previous episodes are or whatever, we're gonna stumble. There's gonna be something. We're gonna look up here and not see something down there. We are going to stumble. When we stumble here, we go into the pit. When we stumble here, we've given ourselves this gap. We've given ourselves this, this space. When we stumble out here, we're still fine. We're still fine. See, God has given us these words of wisdom, these these boundaries, these rules, the stuff, the, the wisdom that we've been talking about throughout the whole 18 weeks. God has given us all of these pieces, not because he wants to hold something back from us or have us experience less of life. He's doing this because he wants to guard our heart. He wants us to stay in the path of the wicked, of the righteous, and stay away from that pit. I've been doing ministry a lot of years and I've never known anybody who has walked on the path of the righteous and thought after a number of years, man, I regret having this much space. But I've known a lot of people who have walked along this edge. And I know my current episodes, my previous episodes, where when we've walked along this edge and then we stumble, And we live with significant regrets. I want to close today with a couple phrases. Just a couple phrases. The first is a question. And it's the question, Alan, how's your heart? And I don't mean... Alan, I don't mean you to ask Alan, how's your heart? I mean, you fill in your own name in the I just want to be clear about that. This is actually important because in, I've had many people over the years ask me how my heart is. Many people, and, and, and it typically comes from a well meaning, loving place for people to say, Alan, how's your heart? Alan, how's your heart? And just if I could be honest here today, I don't normally handle that question well because I'm not usually ready to answer it honestly. And so it just comes out with a shallow response Alan, how's your heart? Still beating, still beating. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but, but I'm not always ready to do that. What's more effective and powerful for me is when I ask myself, Alan, how's your heart? I ask myself privately often, Alan, how are you doing? You can fool everybody else. You can even fool your wife. You can even fool yourself. But how are you doing? How's your heart? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I wanna put a few words up on the screen and maybe some of these words will connect with you to help describe your heart this morning. How's your heart? Words on the left are more struggling, words in the middle are more neutral, words on the right are more positive. How's your heart? Maybe there isn't a word on there this morning that that connects with you. Is there a better word that you can think of? How's your heart? Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that we pause and we, in prayer or meditation, we come before the Lord and we say, we say, Holy Spirit, help me understand what's truly going on here. What's happening in my current episode? Help me understand my heart. Not the fake version, not the mask. Help me understand truly what's happening. Search my heart, oh God. The second phrase is this: "Lord, hears my heart." So we first say, "Help me understand what's going on. How is my heart?" And then we respond by saying, "Lord, he- here it is." If you if you wanna wanna walk in the path of the righteous, then this is what we do. We say, "Lord, here's my heart. I, I give it to you." There's a lot of stuff there that's that's calling out to me, that's drawing my attention. But but but, Lord. I give you my heart above all those things. I protect it from all of that stuff. I give you my heart. You see, we're not supposed to give our heart to anyone else. When, when, when many of us were, were young, we were tempted to give our heart to, to a boy or give our heart to a girl. We're not supposed to do that. We're not even supposed to give our heart to our spouse. Nobody else is the keeper of our heart. They can, be, they can be helpful in terms of protecting our hearts, but they're not the keeper of our hearts. Our job is to say, God, here's my heart. You're the one I trust with my heart. If you're, if you're in this zone here, the, the path of the, of the wicked, just, just so tempted to stay running right the edge and, and in this very tempting zone where we can stumble in at any point, we just say, Lord, here's my heart. I don't, want my heart to have to, I don't want this stuff to have access to my heart anymore. Lord, here's my heart. And when we do that, we will step back. Lord, here's my heart. We will step back. And if you find yourself in the pit today, maybe through this whole story, this whole little illustration, you have seen yourself right here. This is where you are in your current episode. The enemy of your soul, Satan, says to us when we're here, he's the one who lured us in here in the first place. He says, come on, come on, come on. And then when we get in, it's the enemy who says, look at you. This is the kind of person you really are. You call yourself a follower of Jesus? You want people to look up to you? Look at you. Look where you are. That's what the enemy says. But just remember that Jesus, Jesus stands at the edge of the pit and says, trust me, take my hand, give me your heart and I will set you free. You didn't understand that. If you feel like you're in the pit right now here today, Jesus is saying, trust me. All we need to say is Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. How's your heart this morning? Are you ready and willing to surrender your heart to the Lord? This morning we're gonna, the band's gonna lead us in in a, in a, in a song to respond to this. And as we head into that, I'd love to pray with you. Would you stand and we'll pray together and then sing a song. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, some of us here in this room feel like we're, we're in the pit. And we, we keep digging and digging and clawing and trying to scratch our way out and, and, and do the right things and fix things. And Father, I pray that you'd give clarity for us today that that's, that's not how we get out of the pit. That we just pause and we're honest about where our heart is and we surrender it to you. Father, some of us are walking the edge of temptation. We're involved in relationships that are maybe not technically sin, but they're so close we could stumble at any moment. Some of us are involved in activities that are just so close to the edge, Father. Give us the courage to examine our hearts and to trust you with our hearts. Amen.